0: Welcome to Killer DNA. I'm Kara Porter. I'm CEO of Intermountain Forensics, a nonprofit forensic DNA lab. This podcast is a casual 10 minute discussion about important issues in forensic DNA. Today's episode will talk about a development that happened this week. That illustrates how advancements in technology and methods and persistence can play a major role in resolving cold cases. This week, Mark Douglas Burns was sentenced to life in prison without parole for the 2001 murder of Sue Ellen Gunderson Higgins in Evanston, Wyoming. But to get there was a long route. Mr. Burns had been convicted of rape as early as 1974 in North Carolina. He was a long haul truck driver and during his career, he traveled throughout the United States and into Canada. By the early 1990s, he had more or less settled into the uh, area of Utah known as Clearfield and unfortunately that's when the attacks began. In 1992, an 11-year-old girl was abducted from her home, blindfolded, taken to a parking lot, and sexually assaulted. When she was released, she was taken to the hospital and biological evidence was gathered from her. Her case went cold, though, and the evidence even was lost for a while. But attacks continued, not just in the Clearfield area, but also in Wyoming, which is not that far uh, north of the Clearfield area in Utah. In July of 2000, a woman in Clearfield was awakened by a man who was nude. Turns out he had entered the apartment through the sliding glass door, which is what Burns did in many of his cases. He threatened her and sexually assaulted her. He tied her wrists and feet before leaving. She was later taken to a hospital and biological evidence was gathered. In May of 2001, a horrible series of attacks occurred in one home in Clearfield. This episode has actually been profiled in an episode of Cold Justice uh, Sex Crimes. At about 2.30 in the morning, uh, police were notified that there had been a home invasion in a house in Clearfield. A woman and her husband and one of her daughters and other relatives were in the house when the intruder came in with a gun. He tied up the men, he forced the women to perform sex acts and sexually assaulted them when, um, when the mother's son came home from work in the middle of the night, he uh, blindfolded him and held a gun on him. And basically it was a brutal, long torture of these women. After he left the house, the women were taken to the local hospital and biological evidence was taken from them as well. Almost exactly one year later, the Utah State Crime Lab informed law enforcement that the DNA in these two cases, July 2000 and May of 2001, were the same. So the same person had uh, performed those attacks and, and law enforcement at that time also suspected him of others. Now at the time, Utah had a relatively short statute of limitations for rape. So the Davis County Attorney's Office did something that was not common at the time and had not been tested legally. In 2003, they filed a criminal information, the State of Utah versus John Doe, an unknown male with the DNA profile of D3S1358, et cetera, et cetera. So they filed, a criminal information against a DNA profile. Now not having anyone to serve a warrant on or to arrest the case continued to be cold but they believed that would help them later avoid a statute of limitations defense. Meanwhile law enforcement uploaded these DNA profiles into CODIS the combined DNA index system that we talked about in earlier episodes. Basically, that is just a compilation of crime scene DNA profiles or DNA profiles of persons who had been, uh, at that time, I believe it was limited to people who'd been convicted of certain offenses. In 2010, law enforcement were informed that those two samples not only matched each other in CODIS, but they matched nearly a dozen other sexual assaults in Utah and Wyoming. And in all of those cases, the suspect had used a gun or a knife and had blindfolded the victim. The case still didn't get resolved until, actually I think until a a task force worked with the Cold Justice folks And around that time, law enforcement contacted Dr. Barbara Ray Venter. In 2018, Time magazine honored Dr. Ray Venter as one of the most, one of the 100 most influential people in the United States. Dr. Ray Venter is a genetic genealogist. And what law enforcement asked her to do was to take the DNA that was available and tried to find, well, basically try to identify the suspect. Now, Dr. Ray Venter is also known for having been instrumental in helping identify the Golden State Killer, which was revealed in 2018. Now, Dr. Ray Venter said this was not her easiest case, even though ultimately a half-sibling was located of the suspect because to get to the half-siblings, she first had to deal with the fact that there were some adoptions, et cetera, and so it, it took her some effort to locate biological relatives. But she did finally tell law enforcement, I think this relative is a half-sibling. And of course, first, the relative needed to be excluded, uh, which could be done with the relative's own DNA the DNA would be a a relatively close match, but would not match. In 2019, Clearfield Police interviewed this relative and learned that this relative only had one living half-sibling, and that that half-sibling lived in Utah. Mark Douglas Burns. Uh, Burns was still a long-haul truck driver at the time. Now, because When a genetic genealogist says, I think this is your guy, uh, we talked in an earlier episode that that's not good enough to make an arrest. They still need to confirm the DNA using the traditional method of what we are calling in this podcast STR, or in some cases they call it identity testing. So law enforcement staked out Burns' house. And when he put his garbage out, that made it fair game. So they took his garbage and they retrieved some pretty good DNA sources from it. A water bottle, a beer bottle, some soda cans, and a paper towel with a red stain on it. And they took those items to the Wyoming State Crime Lab because by now he was suspected of a murder in Wyoming. And the Crime Lab reported back that all of the samples from those items belonged to one person and they matched the profiles in CODIS. Burns was arrested, and finally it appeared that the Clearfield rapist, who had terrorized an entire area, had been caught. Also, it appeared that maybe the true murderer of Sue Ellen Higgins in Evanston, Wyoming had been caught. Mrs. Higgins' husband had previously been arrested and had had to spend $70,000 defending himself uh, from the wrongful arrest. Um, Burns' lawyer filed a motion challenging the, the charges based on the statute of limitations, but the court never had to decide that issue because suddenly, when Burns appeared in court, he just suddenly confessed to all of the assaults in the Clearfield and southern Utah area. He actually said... That this was a relief to him. He said he had not committed any crimes since 2002 and that he was glad in essence to get this off his chest. This week Mark Douglas Burns was sentenced to life in prison without parole for the 2001 murder of Sue Ellen Higgins. That's in addition to the 242 years that he was sentenced to for all of the violent attacks here in Utah. So although there are still more than 200,000 unsolved murders in the United States, cases like this do give hope. These cases can be solved and with luck and persistence, they will be. Please continue tuning in to Killer DNA as we update you on these cases.